I was really impressed with your magic missile build last session. 200 damage in one round is really impressive for a level 12 character. Let's pick up the battle where we left off. The evil orc druid cast spike growth last round. For this round, he will turn into a giant elk and grapple your wizard. He rolls a 24. That beats your roll of 6. You are grappled. Since he is huge and you're a medium, he can move at full speed while grappling you. He drags you back and forth across the spike growth using his full 60-foot movement and 60-foot bonus action dash granted by his orc heritage. Oh wait, I almost forgot. He still has his long strider cast on himself. That is another 20 foot of movement this turn for a total of 140 d4. You take a total of 350 damage. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Grognards. I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Hawley. And I'm Greg Ziegler. And today we are going to be talking about something that is related to gaming, D&D, and such, but it's also got a wider aspect. We're going to be talking a little bit about the whole phenomenon of being chic while being chic. a geek. Yes, and people might be confused by our title because it looks like Geek Chick, which would, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's some a, that's people might podcast. think that we're, uh, you know, uh, talking about women in gaming in an irreverent sense. Yeah, that's true. Could we actually legitimately talk about women in gaming? as We can, and actually dude? I had a close friend of mine ask me why we don't have any female co-hosts and that we don't talk about women in gaming much. Well, it's because most women are smart enough not to come down here at 7 o'clock in the morning to podcast. Well, there is so, that. <laughs> well, it's also that we're a Grognard podcast, and up until 1990, I knew two women who were seriously into gaming. Uh, one of them worked for a game company, and the other one was a little strange. We are repping the stereotype. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I guess she matched well, because most of the guys who were gaming back then were also a little strange. Well, you hit it on the nose. Yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't know any women gamers up until, holy smokes, probably until 3.5. Yeah, but there are a ton now. I mean, at most convention tables, I see two two yeah. women at every table. Yeah, yeah, I gamed with a couple of women in the 80s. So, yeah. but, so they're out but there. I had a campus group. So, so maybe we'll, we'll make an effort to uh, put together a podcast topic. Yeah, to I think we're going to have to kind of refine how we talk about that, though, because a lot of women are into tabletop, I should say, board gaming. Yeah, there's more necessarily role playing. Yeah. So. so we'll discuss that, but we're not talking about geek chicks. We're talking, we're talking about, about geek the, chic. The, yes, how chic it is to be a geek. Yeah. So, uh, but first. Trey chic. Trey chic. Three chics. <laughs> in in the Shadowrun role playing game, there was a set of clothing called Trey Chic clothing. In the nice. original Shadowrun, you could pay extra for that. It would be stylish. Is that kind of like a, a what version was it that you had a a, a a living standard or a lifestyle standard? Was that three point five, where you had to pay a certain amount? No, that was, well for D anD D, yeah, probably. I, I don't know if it started in three point five or not. They have that in Adventures League, or they had it yeah. and. You know, it's been around for a while. In Shadowrun, they had it. Mm -hmm. First edition Shadowrun. Yeah. Well, I always picked standard. <laughs> <laughs> always pinching the pennies. That's right. That's right. Those gold pieces are hard to come by. So, but first, let's get into our segment that we like to call Games People Play. 
All right, so what have you three, we three, been playing in the last couple of weeks? Well, I don't Who know wants about, to go first? I guess I'll go first. Okay. I don't know about the rest of you, but I have been prepping for Gamehole Con, mm-hmm. which is coming up in two weeks. Greg and I are, are headed up there. I have questions for both of you about that, but go ahead. So I've decided, I decided a while ago that I don't really enjoy running high-level modules Mm-hmm. Because adventure in Adventures League, in Adventures League, okay, you don't they don't give the DM enough freedom to really make it challenging or truthfully all that enjoyable, in my opinion. So instead, I just offer to run those modules if they have high level like multi table epics because it takes a little more DMing experience to do that. I'd rather have seven other people have a really good sure. time than me have a mediocre time. So I need to. Read those modules and prep. I've, you should probably do that. I've, yeah. I've read through them once, but I like to give it a, a quick read and then a more thorough read and try don't, to pull some minis. Yeah, don't be the DM that you don't like. That's Yes, yeah, there you exactly. Go. That's what I try not to do. No squirrels. Sometimes I even succeed. <laughs> hey, if you die by squirrels at my table, you earned it. <laughs> I, always, I always say, I don't kill characters. Players kill characters and dice kill characters. I, as that a DM, don't kill characters. That's uh-huh. true. Uh, didn't you do any gaming over the... FlatCon weekend? Yeah, we did. Oh, I forgot that we had FlatCon. Oh, my God. I was there. I saw you there. I yeah. think you were gaming. <laughs> yeah, I I played some Adventures League, and then, uh, funny story, nothing against the FlatCon guys. It is difficult to organize an adventure, mm-hmm. but I had sent them an email a long time ago saying, hey, I run AL. I'm 40 minutes down the road. Let me know if you need D, uh, DMs for Adventures League. Never heard back. Then they, the event listings went live, and they had no Adventures Leagues listed. So I called them, and I said, hey. I sent to me, oh, yeah, we're still organizing it, and you know we'll be in touch with you. I said, okay. And then two weeks before the convention, I get a message from a friend of mine in Chicago who's involved with AL and goes, hey, uh, the FlatCon organizers are, are desperately looking for ALDS. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, you know, I almost don't want to do it because I did everything I needed to do to... Yeah, you held up your end. So, but I ended up running uh, three or four games for them, and then I played I played all D&D at FlatCon. I, I too, was at FlatCon, and I was also a GM. I ran a couple of games... Um, they invited me to bring my Artemis Starship Bridge Yeah, simulator. well, that's quite the setup, so. Yeah, and I kind of think that I'm not going to do that again. You didn't get enough people? It wasn't that. I find that I'm running out of people who are willing to help me run it. Uh, and that is, it, it is quite a setup. I mean, I've got an entire truck bed full of computer equipment and all the cables and wires and everything like that, and it takes takes an hour and a half to set up, and then if nobody shows up at 9 o'clock, that's kind of disappointing. And I think that part of that was, um, I don't know whose fault it was, uh, but it wasn't well advertised. Yeah, those smaller conventions, those medium-sized, they don't really, they just do word of mouth a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I have an analogous story. I was contacted by a convention in Milwaukee to run some cosplay workshops, and they're not sure how many people are going to show up. They don't really advertise it. It's not. Yeah. It, you, it's a Midwest Gaming Central, I think it's called. It used to be a console video game, like a stand-up cabinet video game convention where they would, oh, that fill would the be floor. Cool. Yeah, you might want to go up with me. But one of the things I was thinking about was I don't mind driving up and just doing it for a year to see how it goes 
it, you right. know, like even if it's just a one day thing, drive to Milwaukee, but I have so much crap that I need to unload. Well, and you have to buy materials. Well, and you know, I have yeah. to, but I, I can reuse the materials. But the bigger problem is I have these four huge totes, and if they don't have a place for me to unload, park close and unload, I have to like unload on the sidewalk, which means I need somebody with me because I'm not leaving or you know, a very a thousand dollars worth of tools and equipment on the sidewalk while I park my truck. A nice yeah. dolly or something like that. Well. But how far do I have to go? Well, so all that. these yeah. so sort of a similar consideration. Like, I don't mind doing it and sort of just breaking even, but I don't want all my stuff lifted from the sidewalk. So I basically need to find somebody to go with me. And Yeah. And part of the uh, – I'm kind of in the same situation. I met someone at FlatCon. He is the organizer – Head of PeoriaCon. Have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah, it's around Facebook. Greg, have you heard of it? Um, I think I've heard the name, but it's I don't sort know, of like I don't a know generic superhero cosplay. Yeah, it seems to be kind of an all-encompassing yeah. sort of con. It's not a gaming con. It's more of yeah. a fandom con. A, a, a geek con. A, a, a geek, geek culture con. con. A geek hmm. con. A very geeky, chicy type of place. But he wants me to bring Artemis, and so I'm debating. Well, if you bring Artemis, maybe I'll see, contact him, see if he wants me to run a cosplay workshop. So we'll see about that. Yeah, I just need a bigger truck. Yeah. Uh, but your games went well at FlatCon. Yeah, yeah, good okay, time. Good. Yeah, I ran two games, well, three, I guess, technically, with the Artemis. I ran the Conan board game and had a full house. I was hoping that our mutual friend, Jess, was going to get in. I saw that he was signed up. But being the bigwig that he is at the university that he works at, he yeah. had to bail. He had to bail. He did come back. Yeah, yeah. But I did have a full house for it. Other people came in, and we had a great time. I I won <laughs> as the overlord. I don't, don't normally win. I don't know why that is, but I did on this one. And then uh, Crusader. Well, you don't win sometimes. It's not really a fun game. That's true. Yeah. Uh, that is true. Um, I'm not sure if I was pulling punches on those times that I don't win so that people would have a good time because yeah. there's always that dichotomy of I want to win but I want them to have a good time yeah. too and the, I want them to the play the game The first game again. you take it easy on them. Once they know the rules, hammer yeah. them into oblivion. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, but I've also been of late, the last two days over my lunch, I have been pouring over how to play, not play, Get an old game. Greg, maybe you're familiar with this game. Mm. It's a computer-based game, a laptop game, desktop game. Let's just call it a PC game. Yeah. <laughs> Called West Front and East Front, a World War II simulation game. Uh-uh. Not ringing bells. Very, very... I never, I never had a computer in my life until 1995. He truly is a so, yeah. art, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. a Luddite. <laughs> but uh, these, games, one. these games are as close as you can get to playing ASL, Advanced Squad Leader, yeah. as you can on a computer and I found That's the cool. old uh, uh, CD but I couldn't get it to work on a Windows 10 machine but apparently there are versions emulate. of it yeah you can yeah. emulate it but I'm having a devil of a time getting it to go I just I got it to go once and I was like yay but then I restarted the computer and it was all gone I heard something recently that mm. they're re-releasing all those old D&D games too somewhere that have been formatted mm. to run. We'll have to find a link for that. Too. If anybody out there knows anything about these games like uh, putting them on a virtual DVD or CD and then getting them to run, let us know. Let me know. Let me know. <laughs> let Dean know. Yeah, because Craig doesn't care. <laughs> when do I have time to sit and do computer games? Right, right. So what about you? Any games under your belt? You know, I wasn't even uh, here for the last games people play, so it's been a month, and I have played Star Wars once. Yikes. And uh, we played Eric's uh, monthly D&D here just this past weekend, and that's all I've done. We didn't uh, get very far in that session. 
Uh, a lot of time BSing. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of talking, and it was during a good football game. And, uh, yeah, we just uh, – and I was making terrible decisions. And I, I <laughs> like playing earlier as far as scheduling my day goes. You know, we started – we were doing a, a 10, to, 10 to 4 session. Yeah. So we tend to play in six-hour groups. And it's nice to get there earlier, and then you've got the late afternoon and the evening to go instead of we were playing before, what, 12 to – 12 to 6 or yeah, we, sometimes we sometimes, sometimes 2 to 2 8, to eight. Yeah. you know and you, and I don't get moving early but yeah I was just I was not having a good time getting into character and making rational decisions at like 10:30 in the morning I was just I was completely not yeah, we don't in want to head. go into gaming stories, but, but I was, uh, yeah, it was not great. <laughs> they were reconnoitering a castle, and it lasted I don't know thirty seconds until they were detected. <laughs> yeah, and then they was me because apparently I'm the only sneaky one in the group. So uh, uh, I do. Have I don't a f- know. A follow up. Uh, Eric and I talked on the last one where I've been having some issues with D and I've kind of I'm starting to kind of fall out of love with it. Yeah. And I've I've kind of bantered around the idea of whether I'm actually going to continue to play it or not, and I think I'm still going to play it. But one of my maybe you two should see other take a break and see other people for a while, see, see other games, yeah, see other games. But um, uh, one of my young players, young lady, uh, she's ten years old, and she really loves playing the game. And I don't want to break her heart by saying no, I'm not going to play it anymore. She is dressing up for Halloween <laughs> as her D and D character. Nice. So That's I perfect. think I'm. I'm I mean, you're tied in. Yeah, I'm tied in. Yeah, you're stuck. Yeah. Which I don't want to extend this anymore, but I do have questions because Greg and I talked about this. Gamehole Con is on Halloween. Are you guys dressing up? Um, I really want to, but I, I'm just bereft of ideas, and the few ideas I've had, I have not been able to uh, practically or affordably uh, do. What about you, Eric? Any idea? I have a reputation to uphold. So That's true. Of course. <laughs> yeah, well, that reputation. And you have a lot of materials at hand. I yeah. mean, honestly, a person can wait, go over to your house, wait, wait, rat, wait. rummage around, and come up with a costume pretty easily. Which got... reputation, Eric? Yeah, well, we won't talk about that. <laughs> That's a different reputation. Um, so the, the season nine for Adventures League is in Avernus, first layer of hell. Mm-hmm. So I have a devil outfit. Not the sexy devil. I'm sure <laughs> Dean has that one, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I have a like a pinstripe vest, like a, a formal, you mm-hmm. know, dress shoes, black pants, black shirt, white tie. And I have this set of horns that I'm working on now because what I really want to be able to do is build like a bony brow ridge and then put dry ice and red LEDs in there. So right. a red vapor comes off the top of my head. So that's what <laughs> I'm currently working on. If that doesn't work, I'll just have the little stick-on horns I put on my forehead. And I have the red face paint to, to make myself all red. Okay. Uh, I was never going that elaborate. So I just wanted to do something fun and cool. And then I could be in for 14 or 18 hours. Well, face paint. <laughs> Go to Walmart, buy yourself an adult-sized Batman costume, and you're rocking oh, it. Oh, I don't want to be bad. Once I so clog appreciate. all my pores with red face paint, I'll feel like I'm a teenager again from all the acne. Yeah. I tell you, I, I'll tell you what I want to do, but I don't know if it's going to happen or if I'm going to throw it together or not. Uh, it's also very grognardy. It's also very retro nerdy. Uh, was wanting to do Steve Austin, the six million dollar man. Oh yeah. All I need to find is the right red jogging suit, mm-hmm. and then you put the little sensors across the front. Um, you could probably find it on eBay. Easy, practical. Uh, yeah. um, Amazon does sell a Bionic Man Halloween costume. 
the reviews of it weren't great. Um, <laughs> you know, dropping $35 on a really bad red jogging suit with giant lapels. And, you know, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I was out shopping yesterday and uh, at lunch today. I'm going to go a couple more stores and try I'm to find something. I'm surprised they up. haven't remade the $6 million man. It have to be like the $6 they billion have, man. They have now. tried repeatedly. I believe Mark Wahlberg right now, he has been in control of that property for at least a good 10 or 20 years. Just and because you can, folks, doesn't saying, mean you should. I don't know. I think it would be sort of cool. Like, he's essentially a secret agent. Yeah, you know? I think, I, mean, I don't know. I'm not against it, and I'm a huge $6 million man fan, and that was yeah. one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. I, me, me too. Steve and um, a man barely alive. alive. <laughs> you know, uh, somebody on my Facebook feed dropped a um, YouTube link for the opening credits from the original TV movie that had been remastered like in 4K. So it was just like stunning. Wow. And um, so I sat and watched it. And while I was watching, I'm going, I just looked and I went, that's what now, I should now do. Now we're going to test Greg's geekdom here. Yeah. What was the plane that crashed during the opening credits? Well, it depends. <laughs> the plane, the uh, the craft that was dropped from the B fifty two was not the same craft that, that was crashed. crashing over and over yeah. again. I, uh, was uh, the M two F was I believe the one that actually crashed, but the H ten L was the one dropped <laughs> yeah, from the B fifty two. I knew he would know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what we're talking about today. Uh-huh. All right. Oh, one other thing before we kick sure, out of sure, this sure. See, that, that ties in with my airplane nerdery, too, yes. which is I don't like, I don't want to say we're trendsetters, but I recently saw somebody on Facebook say, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. This was in one of the D&D groups. But I'm really tired of 5th edition where everybody can be everything. Oh, my gosh. And I read that. I, and I was I, like, I saw this, Eric, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the exact same. So we're not the only ones out there. They're yeah. sort of feeling this. And I'm not saying it ruins the, the game system, but there is some advantage to not letting everybody do everything. Yeah. There's yeah. there's some additional challenge there that makes the rewards that much sweeter. So I, I liked that post just so I could follow it and see how people are yeah. responding to it. Responding. Yeah. So anyway, I did not follow up on that. But uh, as with anything, it's not the thing itself, the game or the rules that are bad. Yes. It's how you treat them and the people that run them and the attitude that you right. take towards them. Just because everybody can be everything, it's the group's decision to decide to allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I have a great line to take us out of games people play. Okay. <laughs> Greg Ziegler, a man barely on time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> True. Well, all right. So that was our segment, Games People Play. All right, now, Geek Chic. I wonder if we can talk as much about Geek Chic as we did about the games we played in the last... Uh, you know, there's a lot of aspects of this. Yes. And many aspects. The, and it's, to, to be fair, to be the three fair. of us could talk all day about anything yes. if you threw it out there. Oh, so. You could talk all day. You don't need to, uh, other, us two. Yeah, That's you, fair. You could cover it. Yeah. I'm an only child. I'm used to Probably entertaining myself. Probably holds true. Greg, at some point, I have to have you on the radio so we can do a, a little bit of a brainstorm about the new Picard movie or TV uh, series so, coming out. I don't know. We might have to look yeah, into that. We have to know. look into that. See, focus, people. Focus. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Greg uh, and I do a thing on the side that's on the radio station, but you'll have to catch that at another time. So, and what's the radio station? Dean? Just uh, WPCD 88.7, Geekin' with Geikin at 8.30 on Thursday mornings. Okay. Central time. Is it available on the internet, too? Uh, at times it is, <laughs> if I download the file. But <laughs> when I, he remembers to do yeah, it, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. Geek Chic. Yeah, so... The original part of this was, I don't know if I felt a little 
pained or what what the feeling was. But when we were gaming back in the day, mm-hmm. it wasn't cool. It, no. You, truthfully, everybody knew I was a D&D kid in high school. I recently moved and I actually, you know, was moving stuff from boxes and storage. And I found my yearbook from eighth grade. And I went to a school <laughs> that went K through eight, which I didn't think was abnormal at the time. But now it's a little strange. And my entire yearbook, you know how you got people sign your yearbooks? Easily 80% of the signatures say something about Dungeons & Dragons. So that's <laughs> how big of a and d nerd I was in eighth grade. That would have been 1981. So I was already full-blown by then. That's interesting. My yearbooks didn't have that many signatures. Granted, there was only 29 in my entire class. <laughs> um, well, you, with you all in one room like that, though, you should have been able to get yes, some signatures. Yes, and, and gaming, and I mean, when I say gaming, I mean D&D and board gaming, was a big thing with my group of friends. I mean, snow days were all about gaming, you know, building forts and then coming inside after we were frozen. And for any of our younger listeners, games. before global climate change, there was a thing called snow, and <laughs> enough of it would fall that you would not go to school. Okay, go yes, ahead. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but they never signed anything. I wasn't known as a gamer geek, and I don't think I really had any type of um, animosity or any type of, you know, uh, nobody really made fun of me. But I still felt part of that crowd that, you know, didn't quite fit in. Yeah, and I think that's what it was. I mean, I was the stereotypical. I was in, I played D&D. I was in the advanced studies program so I could get the access to the computer lab. Mm-hmm. And back then, microcomputers were relatively new, right? They had TRS-80 Model 3s. Yeah. And, and by micro, it was the size of a small suitcase. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was not. But the Model 3 had a built-in disk drive. My home computer had a cassette drive. We won't go there. But And I was on debate team. Right. So, so I was sort of the... the archetypical nerd right uh, i was also an underachiever didn't get very good grades but i took honors classes but didn't get good grades figure that out i can relate yeah but okay so, so but there you were sort of fringe you yes. were definitely fringe regardless we were all on the fringe in terms of our our like and our hobby and and even if people sort of knew you were sort of I don't know. They didn't hate on you, but it was like goths, right? And I don't remember if we had... I don't think we had goths when we went to school. They came around a little later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was a little early for that in the early 80s. But they sort of did their own thing, and you knew they were there, and you didn't really know what they did, but they they dressed in black like all the other nonconformists. During our period, I think it was the theater kids that sort of were the other group. Yeah. Right? You Mm -hmm. had the theater kids. So you had these subcultures within school, and... I don't think geekdom was an established subculture back then. It was there, but I don't think it had a tight community. I don't think it was no, organized it really tightly enough to yeah, actually be because a like community. Because the theater kids were the theater kids. The tech kids who liked to work on cars, that was another group. Mm-hmm. You have the sportos, you know. Sportos, I always called them jocks. Yeah, they were jocks uh, in my school, yeah. I, yeah. And unlike you two guys, I went to a high school with a couple of thousand people. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, I went to a really big school. There were a lot of, there were subgroups of the subgroups. And you had the socials and the jocks. And and the, the grits were what we called the, the uh, gearheads, the grits. Yeah. They were the oh, we also had the dirty. burnouts. And the burnouts, yeah. yeah. The main focus was smoking pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're probably still around, I so, guess. And yeah, my group actually was kind of a cross-section group. Uh, one of my friends who I gamed with, he was definitely a burnout. Uh, but he also, you know, yeah, there were, the I jocks. had a couple of gamer friends that I had were a jock. burnouts. I had the high, sc- the high school football coach's son played Palladium with us for about a year. <laughs> and that was... 
we, that was a kind of that was one of my first sort of crossover yeah. group experiences I, is this kid was supposed to be kind of cool and he knew people and he was kind of somebody but there he was sitting there i think playing an ogre hitting people over the head with a big club but, but in all fairness <laughs> we now have the high school football coach playing dungeons and dragons yeah, with right. us yeah and he runs the game club at the high school and that's what we're going to talk about great segue into the fact that now geeks are chic. I mean, I'm going to read something here that I did uh, for a little bit of prep on sure. here. Do you guys remember the show Freaks and Geeks? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I it, never saw that show, but... No, I, I didn't watch it, but it was there. Okay, so. I watched it a few times, and my, my daughter watched it a lot. She really enjoyed it. Uh, when uh, was that on? When was it on? Yeah. It was in the... Gosh, I want to say it was like the late 90s, early 2000s? Okay, I don't remember. I could check it out on a computer if I had a computer in front of me. <laughs> yeah, you could always do that. But anyway, or you could continue talking, and I could look right. it up. Uh, there's a character named uh, Neil Schweiber. He was played by Sam Levine, and he delivers a line about high school romance that will resonate with most of us here, and most geeks, too. Okay, here's the quote. The dance is tomorrow. She's a cheerleader. You've seen Star Wars 27 times. You do the math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, pretty At much. one time, that meant you don't have a chance in hell. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a little bit more attractive to the, I'm going to say to a, as three guys, to the fairer sex. Yeah. So, because uh, just, the fairer sex is becoming more geeky and for the geeky record, is becoming Freaks more and Geeks, popular. 99 to 2000. Okay, I was right. But mm-hmm. now the question is, and I, I read that same thing. When was the tipping point, and what caused it? <sighs> I have a, I have a couple theories or, or well, suggestions, and, and that's and there's a lot of debate, both you know, well, I, in, in the real world, but mostly online, which is part of this whole thing uh, as to when the, what this is. So, what do you think, Eric? Well, first off, we have to define oh. what geek chic is. We really do. Okay, so there's well, there's a Venn diagram. That we'll have to post online. <laughs> yes. And if, if we're talking has, about nerdy and geeky yeah. things, a Venn nerd diagram will inevitably geek, come up. <laughs> uh, nerd, geek, dweeb, and what's the other one? Hold on. Nerd, geek, dork. That's right. Yeah, dork. dork. And basically, yeah. the three circles of the Venn diagram are intelligence, social ineptitude, and obsession. We'll post a yeah. link to it. But geeks fall into the intelligent and obsessed category. Yeah, and most people have seen this diagram. But. Yeah. Nerds overlap all three. Mm-hmm. So they, they include those two and social ineptitude, which I think is a good definition yeah. in my book. That is fair. So what do we want to define geek chic as? I think in my mind, it's not only is there no social stigma for pursuing these interests, mm-hmm. but there's actually a little prestige at this point. Right. Yes. Right. That's, that's the... And I... I sort of want to talk about where that tipping point happened. How did this go from there was a clear stigma? We might have not been experiencing it every day mm-hmm. or directly, but clearly you didn't go around telling people you played Dungeons and Dragons, right. especially during the satanic panic, because then you're yeah. asking for grief. So, Do you so. give any credit to the idea that maybe Geek Chic started in the fashion industry? No. <laughs> Why do you think <laughs> Well, that? maybe. I want to go back farther than that. Okay. Uh, so there's a couple tipping points that that we could discuss. The first one, I think it has to do with Silicon Valley. Right. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, 
Yeah, I mean, if you were a, a nerdy type, a geeky type, and you got people on the moon, that was sort of cool. But it, it was Neil Armstrong that got all the press, not the dude manning the mission control booth, right? Gene Kranz. Yeah, which he got later, <laughs> mm-hmm. which sort of proves our point. Yeah. So, so they were around, but it wasn't. Silicon Valley, you got Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, who not only contribute a huge portion directly to society, but they make lots of money doing it. Yeah. Right. And I think they sort of normalize like, hey, I'm in my garage with a soldering iron. And that had not even occurred to the large majority of the population. But I still think that you cannot be truly chic until, I mean. Well, we're going to get to that. What what it takes now to be chic. Right. As a key. Right. But I mean, once you hit the mainstream, that's the true tipping point. Don't you think? Well, and that's that's an argument. So does Silicon Valley, does the rise of all those entrepreneurs who are clearly geeks and or nerds right. or both? Both and to the extreme. And still hugely influential. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bill Gates Foundation does all kinds of great work. So that's that's the first point I would say that you, you start to see that shift where people's opinions about where – you know, they don't. You don't want your kid to be a doctor or a lawyer. You want them to be a software engineer. Well, they were producing things that people were eating up. Yeah, and that was taking it into the mainstream. Yeah. So, so okay, so that's one tipping point. Mm-hmm. Now there might be more. Uh, truthfully, I haven't spent you know the two weeks in between our podcast <laughs> re- researching this. Neither have we. <laughs> but the next big one was those Marvel movies. I think it's. Um, I think it's a combination of things. That was the angle yeah. I went after it. Um, in my opinion, geek chic is almost is primarily driven by the internet because of that social ineptitude angle. The internet has you could find your eliminated social ineptitude by getting rid of the face-to-face and allowing right. you to find people who we'll feel and act interest. and behave the same way as you. So suddenly you're not alone in your basement. You're alone in your basement with your 2,000 friends on the internet. And I think that's made it easier to be a nerd. But uh, I think that billion-dollar movie franchises made the properties that classically nerds enjoyed, which is comic books. Okay, let's just be clear. Lord of the Rings. We're talking about geeks, not nerds. Ner- okay, I'm so. very sensitive to that distinction. And, and I blur that distinction, I and, I, and I always have. Then I um, think that you're going to have to go further back than the Marvel movies. You're going to have to go back to Star Wars. Star Wars was a big part of it, yeah. I mean, that was yes. the first... Yes. I, I, let's say the first three, four, five, and six. After... What was the last one? Uh, 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 what are you talking about? Not the last one. You last mean Return one. of the Jedi? Yes, Return of the Jedi. 1983. 1983. That pretty much put the cap on the fact that, wow, this science fiction, this you know whole kind of stuff is cool. Everybody was yes. getting in on it. Yeah, that I think. You I, saw the Star Wars shirts. You saw the Star Wars toys. You saw the Star Wars games. Everything. Yeah, I would I would agree that Star Wars was the the wedge that put the crack 
yeah. in, in the geek iceberg. I think that started it. I don't it think started that it. was it a tipping didn't push point. It. No, it is not a tipping point. No, but that's the thing. That was the little the crack in the armor there where they yeah. said, you know what? This is a pretty nerdy thing. Sci-fi has always been a nerdy thing. Uh, you know, Star Trek was still... Star, you had Star Trek, which was sort of the... That was the poster child for... You know, the nerd. Mm-hmm. You know, if you liked Star Trek, you were a nerd. But if you liked Star Wars, well, everybody saw everybody that. So it, yeah. you weren't, maybe you weren't a nerd. You could like it and Plus not do that. Plus, it's better. So, that. <laughs> no, right, out of the room, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, that loosened things up. And mm-hmm. then you had the 80s and the 90s. We had the Revenge of the Nerds movies in the 90s, which. They, yeah, but they made fun of nerds. They, they made, that was the exact opposite. Uh, but but who the nerds won? always yeah, tri- I mean, they but were the nerds the triumphed at the end. And that's, yeah, I don't but you also can't say that that's mainstream. But that was sort of like a signpost. I'm not saying that that was a tipping point either, but that was just like a, hey, there's this thing here. Uh, 90s, things were pretty much, you know, the same status quo. Yeah. Then you get to the after the turn of the millennium. And what did we get at the turn of the millennium? Y2K. We, well, that didn't really happen, did it? <laughs> okay. But we got what you would consider classically nerdy subject matter becoming very, very popular movie franchises. 2001, I think that's when everything started going. That's when the Harry Potter, first Harry Potter movie oh, came out. I thought out. you were talking about the movie 2000. No, yeah. no. Okay. Which that didn't help at <laughs> all. I was following if you weren't, Eric. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the first Lord of the Rings movie and the first Harry Potter movie came out in 2001. Yes. And those were and both. And Geeks and Freaks was 99 to 2000. Yes. So all of these things are happening at once that you know, classically nerdy franchises. I mean, what is nerdier than Tolkien? Yeah, I mean, exactly. And How many everybody people- went to see these movies and, and they were like, well, this looks pretty cool. It's, you know, yeah, it's pretty dense to slog through reading it, but it's badass up on the screen. Right. Most of the people <laughs> that I would associate with, they knew of Lord of the Rings, but they had never read it. Oh, yeah. And those people that did read it automatically had their membership approved for a certain type of subculture where you could get together and talk. Yep. And then the movies come out. Yep. And everybody's a fan everybody of The Lord of the Rings. And then what happens 10 years later, Game of Thrones comes out. Yes. And that drags in even more people to our nerdy fantasy club. And then they think... And you can talk about it in the water cooler. Or so, you so can even play a game that's kind of yeah. Game of Thrones. So and you have the internet. Here's a theory that's been... <laughs> well, not a theory, but a... a point that's been made on the internet all those things you just mentioned mm-hmm. m- the vast majority of them were created by people who played dungeons and dragons that's a very that is good back point. in the day very good point yep so it maybe it's just that the people who knew about this stuff got in in positions of influence so to speak yes. they were influencers before they were influencers. i've always mm-hmm. said that essentially the geeks are the ones running the entertainment industry right now the people who were coming up in that that subculture, playing the games, you know, being the ones being made fun of or, or you know, dabbling in the weird stuff. They finally, as you said, came up to a point of, inf- uh, of you know, influence and, and they're able to bring their passion to the screen. And, and D&D prepares you for that. Role-playing games yeah. is, is cooperative storytelling. Yeah. If you're making shows... That's the exact same thing that happens in a writer's room, I would have to imagine. Yeah. yeah. Right? So you basically you had people that have been doing this since they were 12. You know, just like that guy who was taking apart his, his dirt bike when he was 12. By the time he's an adult, he's, a, you know, a, a 
the top mechanic at the dealership. Mm -hmm. I think you've got the same effect with the entertainment industry because that's the industry people were drawn to, or they became authors, George R.R. R. Martin, and wrote yeah. books that, that involve that. Just a quick aside, if I can. I mm -hmm. want to give a plug to a show that I think is underrepresented. It's an older show. Um, <laughs> if you are interested in early computers and the development of the PC, the internet, there is a show called Halt and Catch Fire. My wife watched that, it's, and she thought it was fantastic. It is I arguably it the best show ever. I mean, there are people who are in love with it, and it's a good show. The, the first season is a little shaky because they weren't sure they were going to get renewed. But when they renewed it, they said it was uh, put on by AMC. They said, listen, we know we're going to lose money. We're going to fund you for three more years. Tell the story you want to tell. And they did. And it has incredible character development. Thank you, AMC. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't seen Halt and Catch Fire and you are interested in early computers, basically the rise of the microcomputer, the rise of the internet, the browser wars, the bulletin boards, and early networking. Part of the reason my wife is so into that is because she was part of that yeah. group. Yeah. She was there when Al Gore invented the internet. So I can't tell enough <laughs> people. Yeah. I can't tell enough people. To go watch Halt and Catch yeah. Fire. It's four seasons. It's make it through the first season. Now sometimes the first season's a little shaky. Yeah, a lot she, of shows she, are like she that. She says the, the the characters on the on the screen are much more interesting than the way than what they were in real life. Yeah, <laughs> they do the character developments and Lee Pace is in it, who's mm -hmm. now in a bunch of other stuff. Uh, some other people. Is it that, no longer a functioning series? No, it's done. It's yeah. been done for a couple of years. Okay. But it's on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, if you're doing something historical, it's, it's got to have a beginning and an end. I don't know if the people who made it were at all geeky when they were younger, but it sort of harkens back to that era we're talking about where it was a separate subculture. Like the computer people did their thing, and, and the rest of the world was trying to, trying to keep up at that point. Okay. So that's, that aside, you know, we now have— so maybe Greg makes a compelling argument that around the turn of the century, you know, 99, 2000. And when, and when the Internet was also starting to come into its own. Now, I'm not sure about the Internet argument, though, because that argument, if you take that to its conclusion, that means every subgroup would now be mainstream. And that's not the case. Well, no, you, need, you needed an entertainment yeah, the rest, property the rest to drive of the, that. Yeah, the, I think it's that the media is out there. And... D&D specifically, you started to have these these web shows eventually, right? The mm -hmm. the one that Satine yeah. Phoenix did, which had to draw for its own reasons. Yeah. But uh, Critical Role, we talk about this. Like, that's the, that is the logical conclusion of this process, that they it's have become— Watching people play D&D. Yeah, and it's become mainstream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they have huge get-togethers. At Gen Con, they fill an entire auditorium, and people are going nuts for this, which I could—I still have a hard time wrapping my, my mind around that. I literally could not imagine sitting and playing D&D with, a, like, a live audience watching me. I would be so self-conscious. Well, these guys uh, these are all—they're are, all voice actors. But yes, yes so they are. They are all to, professional and, and performers. One of them is an actual actress. She's on um, Ashley. Somebody is on some crime show that's based in New York. She leaves half the season and goes films her thing, and they NPC her character. Uh, but it is—it is—it can be interesting. There's mm -hmm. um, Laura Bailey. Somebody did a super cut of her because she sort of, when it comes to sort of sexual situations or potty humor. She always has to like try to hide her amusement 
because she doesn't want it to be on camera. Sort of, you know, that's what she said sort of thing. But they made a super cut of her on the internet just over and over for these just, you know, she takes everything the filthiest way possible. And it's rather amusing to watch. I have somebody like so, that in my office. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, now it's cool. So It's cool to be a geek nowadays. The other component that I think we we mentioned briefly during Games People Play is the inclusion of the fairer sex in the hobby. Yes. Yeah. I think when women become, and minorities, you know, because back in the day, there were very few women, there were very few minorities. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's becoming more mainstream. Yeah. The un, The unclean chubby white guy yeah and it's even even now you go to conventions and you see uh, a a lot of white dudes which is a little embarrassing for the hobby truthfully (laughs) it really is you're like hey i'm one i'm not embarrassed no but the fact that out of a hundred people 95 of them are white dudes yeah you know anymore you get a little better representation minorities i still see some of them i don't think they're represented equally as they are their numbers in the population but I think that that speaks better that those groups are now becoming more equally represented. Yeah. Apparently, just a quick search on the Internet says that since about the the 2010s, women have made up about half of all gamers. Now, Now, when we say gamers, we have to distinguish what is a gamer and what's a gamer. That statistic, I think, includes those little cell phone games. Not just video games, those little cell phone games. Yes. Which are... Probably at least equally, if not more, played by women. Although I have one on my phone, so I yeah. shouldn't really talk. And a lot of it is always, you know, video gaming, electronic gaming, as opposed yeah. to board gaming or tabletop gaming. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but just from an RPG perspective, every convention I go to, I sort of give a look around the room, and it, at a table of six or seven, there's usually about two women. Sometimes three. So I don't think it's quite, in our part portion of, of the hobby, Yeah, I don't think it's quite 50%. It's probably about 25 to 35, yeah. something like T- that. Tabletop RPGs definitely are lagging behind. Uh, but board games, games, I think, is probably more evenly split. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. I think it's about a, an even ratio. Right now, just according to this, uh, this uh, bit of information, in 2016, the ratio in the United States is about... 41 to 59 percent 41 percent but that's for all gaming yes mm-hmm. i think so the, i think the video gaming is the bigger bulk of that yeah right. yeah but regardless i mean gaming is becoming more uh all-encompassing everybody is able to get in on it there's a lot of board games and electronic games that are easier to get into easy to be introduced to so it kind of whets your appetite and then you get more into it and so let's finally talk about our topic. <laughs> yeah, right. So what is geek chic? What does it now take for you to be considered chic as a geek, specifically a gamer? I think, hmm, I honestly think that when I see someone who's got something like, I'm just going to throw out examples. I don't have a full mental yes. concept yeah. of this. The person who wears the T-shirt that is really kind of obscure. Yeah. It's like the obscure band that you've never heard of. Yes. Yeah. Which is kind of hipsterish, but I don't yeah. want to compare that to hipsterish because they're not sitting around being all, you know, emo yeah. and everything. Um, but the, <laughs> the person who, you know, has that unusual T-shirt 
or the person who kind of takes their love of geekery to their everyday life. Let's say that they're a, we can call steampunk geeky. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, oh yeah, it's definitely. A yeah, geeks think steampunk yeah. is geeky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's say you take some of that aspect. You are wearing the top hat or the vest and bow tie on a regular day, daily basis. Would you consider that geeky cheeky? <laughs> that still might be a little weird. Okay. You know, I, so, you know, back to the T-shirt. I, I have what I consider almost a perfect geek T-shirt that I wear in the fall. And it looks like a Dunkin' Donuts logo. And it says, the pumpkin spice must flow. And it has a sandworm mm-hmm. on it. So only people who are fans of the Dune series right, are yeah. going to get that shirt. Yeah, who's yeah. going to get that shirt? Okay. That I can wear in public, and other people just think I really like pumpkin spice, and I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now what about the aspect he, of... He likes pumpkin spice donuts. Hey, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> but it looks like, like a worm. <laughs> yeah. So like anyway, that. what about the person, like the gamer geek, who shows up, let's say, I do you guys play Magic the Gathering? Used to. Used to. Okay. Nope. I, I don't. I don't. But let's say you showed up to a Magic the Gathering uh, event and you didn't show up with your player mat. Yeah, well, there's there's all the little... Uh, Greg that, is the number one. That is, you know, you're accessorizing with your yeah. geekiness. Yeah, I think that know? is a large part of it now. Or yeah. your game organizer. Yeah. You know? I, I actually just ordered a... I, got a Kickstarter delivery of a spell slot tracker. It's a little wooden block, and you put six-sided dice, and it's numbered one through nine. It has a little tray to hold the dice, and you track how many spell slots you got left. I don't really need that, by the way, but it's cool <laughs> It's very cool. Yeah. But, I mean, things like that, those things yeah. that accessorize I'll, your geekiness. Yes. I'll throw another one out there. Going to a movie premiere, premiere in costume. Yes. Okay. Very good. That's a great example. You know, yeah. that those people are, you know, waving the geek flag. They they're and loud and proud. Kind of what I'm getting at with the whole, you know, wearing a vest and a and a bow tie to your regular everyday, you know, job and stuff like that. You're just kind of spicing up your. But at your some look. point, you got to. He's not like, wearing the gears and the goggles. Okay. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it fits, it looks. Uh, business appropriate? Yes, exactly. Guess, business yes. appropriate spe- yeah. steampunk. You know, yeah. If you're wearing a bow tie because you're sort of steampunk, and but bow ties are, are appropriate. You yeah. know, you're. I don't know if I'd go to work in costume. Right, but, but you might wear a vest and a button-down shirt with a tie and just kind of that little nod towards your geekiness. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely that that component where you sort of integrate it mm-hmm. into your to your normal life just enough that fellow fans or geeks would sort of give you the the head nod. Yeah. You know? Well, now also, you go to a lot of establishments anymore, and what do you see on the shelves? Games. Games. Exactly. A lot of gaming in public is becoming very popular now. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I go to the the donut shop in Savoy. Yeah. They have a a game shelf. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mostly to keep kids entertained, but not necessarily. A friend of mine who uh, I play Artemis with, both online and at the convention, he opened up a, essentially a, a donut shop, but it's a breakfast bar, and half of it is a game room and half of it is a restaurant. Yeah, it only makes sense if it's that mainstream now. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of bars are offering a game night on like 
Tuesdays. Yes. Nobody's out drinking beer on a Tuesday. Well, some people are, but for the most part. <laughs> the people that are out drinking yeah, every night. Not a busy night for a bar on Tuesday. Just like a lot of them have trivia nights yeah. midweek. Mm -hmm. Now they've realized, hey, we can have game nights. Right. Yeah. And no, that's a good, a that's a good example is that, yeah, the, the trivia night, which used to draw people in, some of those have switched over into D&D night. Yeah. Or, or just board a game, game night. night. Yeah. Just locally here in town, one of the uh, uh, restaurants, not restaurants, the, the bars had their game night and it was being hosted by one of the local game stores yeah so, it's it's a natural partnership mm, yeah. and in noblesville indiana there is a new restaurant well, actually not a restaurant it's called dungeons and donuts oh and nice. it is a game store donut uh eatery I so want to go there. I yeah. Donuts. I'm actually planning on going next month. <laughs> nice. <laughs> now, the other thing, and, and, you know, Greg's probably not a good example of this because he collects everything. I do. I mean, he, he yeah. saves the boxes from the things that he, he unboxes. So there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But Where like those push? those pop vinyl figures that now you can get those pop vinyls for everything. There is yeah. a pop for everything. Yes. You yes. know, I my dad did not collect action figures, no. <laughs> right? I mean, you think back to, did your dad, like, have any of this? You know, that's an interesting thing that you brought up. No, my dad did not. You know, he had tools to get the things done that he needed to get done to get through life and to make sure that his family and his home were well cared for. He didn't have a collection of anything that I know of other than maybe pocket knives, okay? Yeah. But my daughter and her boyfriend are over this weekend, and I'm downstairs in the basement working on stuff, and she's showing him all the miniatures that I have painted and collected yeah, and all these kind of things. And I thought to myself, I would never have done have had that conversation about well what the, what she was really doing was putting her initials on the bottom so when you die she could <laughs> she could lay claim to them <laughs> yeah there you go right so yeah, well that yeah parents yeah, my my parents collect things my dad collected stuff not just guns and knives like normal yeah. but was it Dads geeky did. stuff was it but, that uh, sort of uh when i was older my dad collected beer signs but when i was a kid when i was little uh my dad had a little um hot wheel collection and matchbox mm. collection. I was I was just actually talking to somebody yeah, about I, this I a guess couple of days ago. Is when we would go shopping and he would buy me, my dad loved, you know, again, I'm an only child, so I got a lot of cool stuff. But my, my dad was always inclined to buy me things that he thought was cool, mm -hmm. which is why I had like 4,000 Hot Wheel cars. But my dad had a couple of shoe boxes full of the ones that he bought for himself that he kept that I was not allowed to touch or look at or get my grubby mitts on. But a young boy... In the 19, I'm going to guess 1950s yeah. for your dad. Yeah. Okay, 1950s. 40s and 50s. 40s My dad and was 50s. born in 40. Collecting cars is pretty normal. And oh, yeah. let me just add. Not very geeky. Hot yeah. Wheels are crap. Matchbox is where it was at. You know, I... Uh, he did both. My dad, uh, yeah, my dad I was, was not, I he was both. not particular. Yeah. He was yeah. collecting the matchboxes when the Hot Wheels uh, came out. Yeah. Because that's. But yeah, so that was the other one that, that, that generation, it was socially acceptable. Model trains. Yes. There were yeah. a lot of older guys who did model trains. And then let's and harken back to, to Gary Gygax, Dave Arneson. They collected 
Little Toy Soldiers. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. They did war gaming. That was also... Now, you were yep. still and on the we've fringe. We've talked about that, yeah. Yeah, you were still on the fringe, but you could have your army, your Napoleonic army, so that you could go to the table. You could have a sand table in your basement. So there were those sort of hobbies, but they were, they were definitely not mainstream. And they were considered weird. In a movie, if you wanted to show somebody being a little weird, they had toy soldiers and played with them. Think about that in movies. Yeah. You, know, you show a military leader. And Unless he it might was Napoleon. Be, he might be a little... He might be a little odd, but then you show, uh, I was just thinking uh, about a month ago, I was watching Stripes and the the, the jackass uh, captain in Stripes, though, at one point he's playing with his little toy, sol toy soldiers I and his little stripes. tank. Ever been convicted of a felony? Convicted? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like going into Wisconsin. <laughs> um, I say that every time I cross the border. It's like going into Wisconsin. It's Czechoslovakia. Yeah. And I lost my train of thought. There was something I, I was going to say. Don't it was talking about trains, though. Yeah. Oh, Stranger <laughs> Things. Let's yes. talk about now full mainstream. They opened Stranger Things with kids. Well, I don't know if they opened, but in the first season, first season they're playing. It, D &D. Was, one of, it was one of the first right? scenes, and it was actually a f relatively accurate representation of D and D, unlike yeah. a lot of other times movies that sort of showed it. But then in season two, right? Are we two or three? I don't remember. We just coming, had three. Yeah. Okay, so maybe it was three. The science teacher, they go to his house, and he's in his basement with a set of jeweler's goggles on, painting a miniature. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, and again, they did that because that was, that was in the 80s. That was not considered mainstream. No. So right. now... I think if you, you know, they show it now, and I think most people go, oh, cool, he's painting a miniature. I don't think people go, oh, he's just What's he doing? so yeah, weird. Yeah. You will find some people. Yeah, though. people who yeah. are not familiar yeah, with, right. with miniatures or the hobby. Now, what about, because geekiness is so mainstream, what about those things that enter into our daily lives, like home decor and little geeky gadgets you know, that you might have around the house? I just moved, and I just hung all my fantasy artwork on one wall <laughs> yeah just one well yeah right now because <laughs> i have that big wall yeah but now here's what i'm struggling with dean and i used to be involved in the sca mm -hmm. right society for creative actors a medieval reenactment and when you get, would get awards in the sca they would give you a scroll frequently that yes. was done with nice calligraphy and some illumination on the side all hand done it all hand done yes. and somebody put a lot of time and effort so i have about 10 of these scrolls. I have some too. And I'm like, what do I do with them? What do I do with them? And all of them are framed except for two, which I really need to frame because one of them's my, my nicest scroll. But then I'm like, <laughs> do I hang these? That's an aspect of my life that I've sort of moved on from. Yes. I, I but you, you still have a lot of helmets point. and weapons laying around your house. I do. <laughs> and it's probably not your real name that's on that scroll. Well, it depends. It is your it's society. A name, yes. It's your your society. It's my name. which is Ariok the Quick, by the way, <laughs> uh, because and Ariok is also from Elric, but it's yeah. also from the Bible, and I wanted a name that sounded close to Eric. So if somebody right. said Ariok Duck, it would register in my mind <laughs> and maybe save my life. Yeah, um, yeah. So it it has that. I actually mm. used to go by Ariok Makabich. Um, I could not document that to period, but Mac right. means son of. Yeah. Right? Son of a bitch. Uh, I was able to document bitchin'. That's a Scottish surname uh -huh. pre-1600. But That's another. See, that's our geekiness coming yeah, out. That is our geekiness. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm talking about these things. Like, you but know, now, your, but your here's, here's my point with that whole thing. Is this going to fade? Because sort of the SCA has sort of faded. There's reasons for that. It's yeah. still around. People still enjoy doing it and do it a lot. Rent but fairs. It's and, definitely yeah. not the heyday that it was. Yeah. Will it fade? Yes, it will. Everything swings 
one way or the other in terms of its popularity and its lack thereof. It will fade at some point, or it will become so mainstream that something else will take its place. We'll take it over. And what's that going to be? That's I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. But I, I think we're probably safe in saying that for the next at least 10 years, yes. we're, we're still going to be in the golden age of geekdom. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you have in your home? Coming back to my point, what do you have in your home that is probably the geekiest thing that you have on display Either one of you have on display, and Greg, you can't mm. say your collection. No, because... that, that's in my room, and people are not allowed in there. <laughs> Ooh, it's that room that has a special lock on it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, arguably, it's the the framed print I have of dogs playing Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that sort of screams every component. It's got the classic art involved. It's dogs. It's yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, that's pretty geeky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a whole room, as Greg said, full of swords and helmets and armor and guns and knives and things like that. But that's part of my... Wow. That was part of my reenacting collection. I don't consider that geeky. Yeah, yeah. So same with me. I have a lot of swords, yeah. which nowadays... You know, in the old days, you could actually carry that sword places, yeah. and people wouldn't, like, shoot you. Right. Yeah, and now you know, if I was going to reenact old, a yeah. knight, I, and my sword isn't sharp, it, but it's pointy. I mean, it's a metal sword. I just mm-hmm. didn't sharpen it. I could wear that on my belt, and, and you know, I wouldn't get shot. Right. Nowadays, I'm not sure yeah. that's the case. Yeah, I, I think Dean's wife is maybe a little more accepting of his... his uh, she has to be. ...nerdery than, than mine is. Yes. And my wife has nerd things that she likes, but she doesn't flaunt them as much as I do. So but, I'm, I'm not but, allowed to spread the nerdery through my house <laughs> to the extent that I would like. I was floored when you told me that she was a Shannara fan, the Terry Brooks series. Yeah. I would not have, have really. labeled your wife yeah. a Shannara fan. I mean, my daughter is named after a character out of Shannara. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a good... Uh, yeah. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Huh. But you are correct. I think she and we we went and met we met Terry Brooks at a local bookstore really? when she was three or four, and we brought her along. Wow! And we bought the new book, and he signed it for her. That's cool. And, and gave it to her, and that was pretty nice. cool. And I guess he'd say a lot. Um, and it's hard to say at my house. Um, yeah. I have I have a couple of Star Wars throw pillows around. That okay. I, I know my wife doesn't like them, but uh, my daughter gave them to me, so. That there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've got a I got a Death Star pillow in the front room. I got a Stormtrooper pillow in the living room next to my I, I would say unbelievably the, obscure Welcome to Night Vale podcast pillow that is sitting yeah. next to my Stormtrooper. I think the helmet. geekiest thing laying around Greg's house is his son. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's technically That's responsible fair. for that. That, uh. that is also fair. But the the room with my TV in it has movie posters. Yeah. In it. because uh, it's you know, the movie room, but the posters are Raiders of the Lost Ark, Return of the Jedi, Titanic. Yeah, if Greg could decorate in geek chic, if I was allowed to decorate, would the house would look a lot different? Then I guess maybe I have the most on display in my house. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I mean, I made a, I made a, I won't call it a steampunk clock, but I made a clock that is of that ilk. Okay, and it's (laughs) on the wall, and it's got three different time zones in it. Okay, I have large framed. Prince of Edward Layton. Do you remember that artist from the? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he does like classical medieval fantasy, yes. mostly medieval, like yes. knights. Yeah, you've had that Layton. Pa- you've had that Layton painting yeah. for like 30 years. Yes. And <laughs> all of the living room, if you want to call it that, is all leather and wood. Very. 
It is helpful that you live in a hundred year old house. Right. Too. Victorian <laughs> slash. And you don't move. And I don't move. That's <laughs> and true. you don't move a lot. Yeah. But the thing that is probably the geekiest thing that I have in my house is probably my Royal Belgian siphon coffee maker. Do you have any idea what that is? <laughs> no. Um, actually, I might, there was my boss at work uses makes coffee, and it's uh, what did he? He didn't call it a siphon. He called it. What? This is this basically is like a small science experiment. When you make coffee, you put the water in a retainer, uh, a, a cylinder of sorts that has a spigot on the end. You get a little Bunsen burner. You fill it with uh, denatured alcohol. You light it up. It boils. But in another receptacle on the other side of its stand is where you put the ground coffee and a filter. When the water boils, it goes through a tube into the glass receptacle, superheats and super you know superheats the uh, the the coffee and bubbles around a bit but because the cylinder where the water was at is sealed what happens when it, it cools off back in, yeah. it sucks it the siphons it back in and then automatically closes the lid on the bunsen burner so that the fire is out and then you have a wonderful cup of coffee <laughs> Takes like 20 minutes, but it's cool as hell. <laughs> that's some food nerdery right there. Yeah. And that's another whole thing. Yeah. Yes. But everybody who sees it, they're like, only you would have yeah, something no, that, like this. Yeah, that is pretty, pretty out that, there. That's me. Yeah. I don't yeah. drink coffee, so. So. <laughs> <laughs> we are geeks. We revel in it. Yeah. So what... So, uh, what, there, what is, lies in store for the future? Personally, yeah. I without really planning on it, I have been returning some items from my collection. I, I'm you not, are buying back your childhood. Not because... Well, here's the thing, though. <laughs> I'm I don't, guilty of that as well. I don't want it for collecting purposes. But, like, most recently, I, I replaced my first edition Dungeon Master screen. Mm -hmm. Because at some point, I'm thinking I want to run first edition, and I need a Dungeon Master screen. Right. I replaced my Dungeon Master's Guide because I didn't have the first edition. I had the second edition. So... Because the hobby's so mainstream for me personally, it's my main leisure activity now. Some of this stuff, I don't mind dropping a little bit of money on it because it's going to further the hobby in my my mind. Yeah, I too am buying a few things, but I never got rid of stuff. I did not purge like you, but I got to hand it to Greg. Greg, you are probably the person that I know of that has steadfastly held on to his childhood in terms of your love and those things that you acquired more than anybody. I have a lot of stuff, but you more so than anybody that I know of. I am probably. a crazy hoarder, yeah. and I freely admit that. And, we're and, gonna and, my, and my parents have enabled that, too, because my mom's attic is full of my stuff. My parents didn't get rid of a lot of my stuff. I uh, You're going to have some crap to go through at some yeah, point. Seven, seven, around 78 or 79 you know, when I was getting a little too old for toys, I had a forced purge, mm. and I still daily lament things that I lost in the forced purge, mostly the three-foot-long Space 1999 Eagle that got oh, I had sold for probably and two the, bucks or something at a garage and the sale. engine would come off, and yes. then you could collect them and make the little yeah, ship. That's, yeah, that's gone, and I hate that that's gone every day, that yeah. and all the major Matt Mason stuff. If it was important. Yes, I could replace it if it was important. If I was willing to throw hundreds of dollars at things, you and I, yeah, I... Skip Gen Con. Yeah, yeah, there are some things. I had a... Um, do you recall, we're going to go a little off topic here. Do you recall Again. an aircraft carrier that used to launch little... Yes. 
uh, I don't know what type of foam it was. They were they were little tiny dense foam airplanes, about an inch and a half, two inches long. Yes, uh, F4U Corsair. I, I, did, and, I don't think I had. Did I have that? I don't know, but I God, did. I don't remember. I had it, and it was every bit five and a half feet long, and it took up like an entire room. But boy, you could get those suckers to sail off of that. It was a lot of fun. And what happened? God, now I got to figure out what that. I got too old. Is. My parents sold it on a garage sale, and son of a gun, I wish I had that. Garage okay, sales so are here, evil. Here's the item I've been toying with getting. Yeah. For no reason, except I think it would be cool. Toying with getting? Yes. Okay. You know how some of the monsters in, in D&D were based on those Japanese? Japanese? Yes. Yes. I've been thinking of trying to acquire those Japanese figures. They're expensive, but yes. like the Rust Monster one. Yeah, after the last podcast, I poked around a little bit and found out that that was not going to happen. Yeah. Affordably. Not affordably. Uh, a faculty member that I work with very closely with, he is a collector of a lot of those Japanese uh, figurines, and I would not be surprised if he doesn't have some of them. But he yeah. would never give Oh, them. no, no, no. This is that's his thing. That's his yeah. thing. Mine may still be in my mom's attic. That is, there is a 20% chance that there's a box up there with, with well, an old plastic. school pencil box full of little plastic creatures that I acquired. Yeah. And I know I had that set with the rust monster and, and the other creatures in it. As we keep going off tangent, we will have yeah. to bring this around. Have you noticed that if you go to places like Hobby Lobby or Michael's or Big R even, you can get these really cool fantasy creatures yeah. for next to nothing that are yeah. really I well use, done? Oh, yeah. I have two Tyrannosaurus Rexes yeah. that are perfectly sized for a D&D game. I bought a separate three-inch base. Which, is, which is helpful because you have somebody who likes to turn yeah, to polymorph. when you polymorph into a T-Rex, it has a... And the jaw is even hinged, so when the <laughs> T-Rex grabs a character, which they can do, you can stick that character in the T-Rex's mouth and just sort of like close the jaw so it's like suspended in air. Nice. Cost me like $8. Right. I couldn't get an unpainted T-Rex for 8 bucks. Exactly. And this is, this, and I also got a chimpanzee to represent a giant ape. They don't have giant apes, but chimpanzee work. Yeah, it works, so. I poked um, around a little. Do you think, before we wrap this up, do you think there's any backlash being geek chic well i think now that it's cool you're paying a premium for mm -hmm. the stuff that was what i was thinking you know, of. when i sold my dragon magazines i literally could not give them away right right i had from 45 to i don't know 200 or i don't know whatever it was and i put them in stacks of 10 and I think they sold for like $3 plus shipping on eBay. Yeah. And now those same Dragon magazines are going for like 10 bucks each. Yeah, and it is getting very... You go to these places and you're like, oh, that is so neat. And you look at the price tag and you're like, what the hell? You know, yeah. it's like, I'm not paying that much. I don't care how cool it is. But on the flip side of that... Thank you, internet. It's yeah. interesting that people can make a living mm -hmm. doing stuff they enjoy. That is true. You know, there are very few people who back in the day made a living being a gamer. Right. You know, even during the heyday of TSR, we've talked about how short-lived that heyday was. It was essentially like 79 to 84. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking five years where people did really well. And after that, the, the company sort of imploded and people went out. And there's people that were, you know, other companies that were around that, that lasted. GDW... None of those guys got rich from that. They they made a living at it, but I don't know if they had a retirement. I'd probably not. Probably not. Yeah, if their fame with uh, fellow geeks 
could pay dividends, they'd be very rich. But right now, they're just regular. Yeah, but even now, people guys. I see people bemoan they want to make an uh, RPG product and they want artwork. Then they find out, oh, you got to pay for artwork. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there's enough demand out there that that, and you should pay for it. Somebody's yeah. giving their time and talents to to, and if it's not worth it to you, it's not gonna be worth it to other people. Yeah. Have you ever encountered a fake geek? You know, and I'm not going on this, so I don't want to go like, you know, fake gamer girl type stuff. That's not what I'm getting into. But I mean, have you seen somebody who's, you know, maybe wearing the T-shirt that speaks to you and then you realize they have no idea what they're talking about? It's not really happened, but I know that it does. But I don't see where you can, you know blame somebody mm -hmm. for being bad because yeah. they thought that thing was cool. They're superficial That's, geeks, especially yeah. around like the Marvel properties. Yeah. yeah. Marvel properties. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, cool. The Captain know. America backpack, but they don't really yeah. know much about Captain America <laughs> except what they saw in the movies. Yeah. You know, you see somebody with a, you know, an Iron Man shirt on and say, hey, cool Iron Man shirt. And they'll say, oh, yeah, I really dig Iron Man. I says, oh, that's a that's a Bob Layton Iron Man. He's my favorite. And they their, their eyes glaze over because, yeah. you know, they've never opened an Iron Man comic book in their entire life. Yeah. And you know that that's, you know, the cover of Iron Man 135. And mm -hmm. and, you know, so those people should listen to our podcast. They should. That, <laughs> that type, you know, that type of thing. Uh, NASA gear is very cool now. What oh really? It? Yeah, NASA. Things with the NASA meatball on it. Go oh, NASA. Go, okay. Yeah, the NASA. Um, and you see a lot of people, especially a lot of young people. You know, work come I come in the bookstore and kids have the NASA shirts on and stuff like that. And I bet three out of four of them, if you asked who is the first man on the moon, they'd stop and hesitate and have to think about it and half of them wouldn't even come up oh, with the, the first answer. man in space is what gets most people yes well when, yeah then when you start because it wasn't them. an american no and then you ask them well who's the first american in space, in space. and they don't know that either yeah <laughs> well and then you got to get is you talking about in space or in orbit and then it gets yeah well and then, and which, and then, and which altitude we're talking about and then it gets nerdy and the cayman line and all that but yeah <laughs> so see and there we and see how quick that went from t-shirt to nerdy yeah and that's because um, we're geeks that's because we're geeks yeah so maybe that's the test yeah so uh what i think that plays into is the things that we as geeks are reveling in and drown in and are covered in which i mean you know in this room we've got gaming and the sca and Historical reenacting. Historical reenacting. And we've got Star Wars and Star Trek books. and comic books and aviation. And I mean, you know, when I sit and try to list one time, list all the things that I'm interested in and nerdy, it was, I was appealed at, you know, I, I, I would do so much better. <laughs> Your entire life. If I, I would do so much better if I just like picked two. But I can't because right. I, I like all these things. And when I like something, I stick with it. And that's not, I don't know if that's another nerd quality or not. Obsession. But that's, yes. That's obsession. Obsession geek, is it. And I quality. still yeah. love everything I have ever loved. I still, you know. Same here. Absolutely. I'm, I'm is... 54. And when I saw that $6 million man thing drop, which was super cool when I was seven, I stopped what I was doing and went and got on a big TV so I could watch it in all of its high def glory. And I watched it like twice. And I'm like, that's damn cool. And I almost whipped out the um, boxed sets I have because I have the whole series on DVD, of course. And I was like, oh, I can't pick one to watch. Do I want to watch Bigfoot or the Death Probe or what do I want to do? Well, I want them to do the remake just so that when that takes off, we can get a remake of the Bionic Dog. 
Oh, yes. Max, Max the Bionic yes. Dog. But see, that was a, a Bionic... Whole, a dedicated series. But that was a Bionic Woman character. I and know. And they did already bring that back, and it failed. Oh, it yeah. failed miserably. I kind of liked it, though. I thought it was all right. But I knew a way. I knew to stay away from the movie theater. You know what? One. Here's another idea. God, I should be in Hollywood. So now we got we got SpaceX. We're going back to the moon. A new Space 1999 called Space 2099. Oh, my God. I would watch that in a heartbeat. Uh, that a, is a lunar base with the ships. And oh, come I on. I know. Not yeah. going to shock you. I'm in a couple of Space 1999 Facebook groups and uh, they are bantying about. Yes. Bringing that, back oh, Space that, would, that would be huge. I heard that. Even heard though it is. Eric, every idea you've had has already been thought of. Yeah. I don't care. Sadly. <laughs> I'm going to take credit anyway. Problem with Space 1999 is that it's just such a ludicrous concept. Yes. That, you yes. know, it it would be really hard, I think, to sell that to audiences now. I think they'd have a harder time worrying about what's happening on Earth when the moon cracks away from the orbit. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, but you don't the, need the to biggest problem the was always plotline. how fast would the moon have to go to get from planetary system to planetary system yes, exactly. for what goes on but, in the show to happen. It just wouldn't, I'm not even scientifically talking about not that possible. Plot line. I'm just talking about a <laughs> story about a lunar base. Yeah. That would be of interest to Okay, me. well, I think they're making a movie called Artemis, and it's by Andy Weir, and it's Oh, about, he wrote a book, the Artemis yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was his, not uh, as It's about a Martian. Martian base. Yeah. I, his follow-up to the Martian. Yeah. Actually, there's a, there's a YouTuber... Questions with Joe or Answers with Joe is his channel, and he interviewed Andy Weir because he did a thing about going to Mars and the problems involved in that, and he was sort of poo-pooing the idea that we're ever going to be able to colonize Mars, and he got a lot of, uh, you know, splashback flack. flack from his listeners. Yeah. So he went and interviewed Andy Weir, and they talked about all those problems, and, and Andy Weir had good solutions except for radiation. And he said something I've never heard anybody else say. And he goes, honestly, you know how we're going to solve the radiation problem? We're going to cure cancer. We're just going to let people get cancer, and then we're going <laughs> to cure it. He goes, that's that's the easiest way at this point. No, that's, yeah. That so, is possible. Check out that YouTube series if people haven't. It's, uh, he's sort of, he does a lot of interesting random topics. Well, I would have to say that the amount of geekery oozing about in this studio right now is like it's pretty toxic yeah well hopefully we've introduced some of our listeners to things they didn't know about right yeah. i mean that's sort of the other part that's cool about ge being a geek is there's a lot of overlap yeah yeah i i don't know i think that what makes hardcore old school geeks quote unquote cooler than they used to be is because of the casual the casual what i call the casual geek fan you know and i know a lot of those um, what we used to be looked down upon for our knowledge and enthusiasm. Now that's more seen as a, as a benefit and yeah. someone they can go to, to learn. So you've got society your society has caught up with us. Yes. You got your, ca your casual Marvel fan, <laughs> your casual Marvel fan. And I, I work with people like this too, where, you know, they'll watch, the Watchmen TV series on HBO, which is weird. It is weird. I haven't seen it yet because I don't have HBO. But I'll give you my Hulu password if you want. But the, <laughs> don't tempt me. Uh, but then again, they turn around and and they can come in and say, Here, let, "Okay, let me, let me just, read it off to you." <laughs> <laughs> I, he just, you know, I just watched this episode, and this is a thing that happened in the show. What is that? And you can immediately fire back. Oh, yeah. Squids were falling out of the sky, not because it was something from the Watchmen movie, because in the original comic, comic book, book, the Doi yes. Machina at the end was a genetically created squid monster. 
yeah. which I still think they were good. Yeah, you're going a little deep for a lot of our listeners. I, I know. If they listen to this to the show, they are yeah. they can follow along. But that's intellectually where geek chic is kind of cool now is because we are no longer the weirdo that knows about things i don't care about but we are now the repository of knowledge and enthusiasm for things that the casual person is now interested in and they can make that show and go that deep yeah Mm -hmm. where you know the original hobbit cartoon not real deep no yeah right lord of the rings and then the later hobbit a much more more thorough treatment of that source material and I, I think we're seeing that with Watchmen. They're they're making some major changes, but it's not a superficial story. They're, no, they're, not at all. Because more of us geeks yeah. are in the know, and they they want a deep story. Stranger yeah. Things, you know, a pretty pretty deep story with a lot of intricate. Halt and Catch Fire, another mm-hmm. one, very deep story, very intricate. So yeah. So all right, well. I don't know if there's anything else we can add to this. I'm, I'm curious sure what is. our listeners have to yeah. have to say about about Geek Chic and what their their fascinations are. I have to say, or if we still have any after this, I <laughs> did not think that this topic would be quite so entertaining for us to go through. I knew it was going to be fun, but I didn't think we'd get a full hour and twenty minutes out of it. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I didn't doubt it. I didn't um, doubt it either. We, we do have another topic. We had a listener who want to talk about collecting. And how how we store our collections. We covered a little bit of it here, but we're going to dive into collecting. At some point in the future. Here, yeah, yeah, at some point. So soon, Collecting probably. what? At, well, we're going to talk about gaming. Okay. All right. Specifically, our, our gaming-related collections. Okay. All right. Because I remember uh, uh, looking in on that, and he was kind of gearing it towards his RPG. Yeah, RPG. But, okay. But there's—and there's, the dichotomy between physical and electronic. Okay. Well, maybe that's a future top, topic for us. Yeah, we so. will. It will be. Well, uh, fellow geeks— how about we get the geek out of here? Yeah. Oh, I have a funny story that I forgot to relate about this. Yeah. When I was working at the U of I, I told uh, the building service worker who was there, otherwise known as a janitor, that I was going to go to Gen Con, and I was going to geek out in Indiana. And he looks at me with this really funny look, and I'm like, what? And he goes, you're going to what? I said, I'm going to geek yeah. out in Indiana. Bite, bite the head off chickens? No. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know, maybe somebody can verify this. Geeking out is also an analogy for doing heroin? I had not heard that. <laughs> I did not know that one. And that's what he told me, and I was like, uh, but, no, I am not doing that. <laughs> but we are also geeks and probably don't know that much about heroin or would know how to interact with a dealer. That, that is my <laughs> retirement plan, by the way. Heroin? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're old. What the hell do you got to lose? <laughs> you know, you don't want to do it when you're young, but when you're like 70? Yeah, what else you got going? that shit, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I certainly hope I live to be older than 70. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you got 10 years of heroin. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Sometimes I wonder why we hang out with him. Oh, my God. Okay, great. That's, that's before we put him in the lead-lined coffin with the radioactive waste. With the radioactive waste. Yeah. <laughs> Take us out, Greg, quick, 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 quick. Okay. Oh, God. If you got, uh, if you want to find, if, if you know anybody who can sell Eric some heroin, please... <laughs> <laughs> Not for another 20 years, 20 thank years. you. Okay, well, you need to lay the brown it groundwork be, for that. It might be legal thing. by then. <laughs> That's true. There you go. Brian. Uh, make, make it legal and tax it. That's what I always say. Uh, Illinois needs the money. 
Um, if, you, if you got any plans for funding the state of Illinois, get a hold of us on Facebook, where we are the Grognards. Um, on uh, what the hell? Where are we at? <laughs> on Twitter, we're at T Grognards, and on Instagram, which I, for the love of God, never check, is the <laughs> underscore Grognards. And uh, we actually did get an email here recently, which I forgot we to bring about. with me. We talked about it. Oh, we, we talked did? about it. It was the guy who wants us to talk about collecting. Oh yeah, there you go. See, I, I haven't slept since then. So uh, you can send us an email where we are gamers at thegrognards.com. All right, for the Grognards, I'm Dean Geiken. I'm Eric Heroin-Holly. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still Greg Ziegler. All right, geek out and game on.